continuation of the book of Mark. Thank you for joining chapter 3. I will be reading from New International Version Bible, and you're welcome to follow with me with a Bible version of your choice. The section is called Jesus Heals on the Sabbath. And remember, in the previous chapter, we have discussed the purpose of Sabbath. And Sabbath in those days was a day of observance and abstinence from work kept by the Jewish people in that day. They were to keep the Sabbath from Friday evening to Saturday evening. I also mentioned that people in even today are observing this day. And I too was part of that people or part of that crowd. I didn't understand the purpose of Sabbath until I really dug into the scripture. To understand the purpose of Sabbath, Sabbath, you need to study the Sabbath. And so let us continue reading. And as I share what I have learned from my own journey of life. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Again, this was the day of Sabbath, the day that people could do no work. Picking up a branch on the street was considered a burden. Pharisees were watching Jesus and his disciples if they would break the Sabbath so they can accuse them. Pharisee made Sabbath about rules and regulations rather than the gift of rest. They made Sabbath about what to do and what not to do. And so they were watching Jesus to make sure that they would catch him in his act. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. So Jesus doesn't pay attention to their rules. Jesus heals the man on a Sabbath. Then Jesus asked them, what is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remain silent. I often wonder the very same thing. Yes, you cannot do work on a Sabbath, but how is it that some people, like nurses or doctors, were, they were okay to work on a Sabbath, but others, such as mothers and fathers who were also providing for their children, were not okay? How is it that for doctors and nurses, it is okay to work on the Sabbath because supposedly they are doing good for the community. But isn't it the same thing when a mother or a father goes to work to provide for their children? Isn't it the same thing? That's the, that, that's the hypocrisy that I did not like when it concerned the Sabbath. And how about following up with the rules of the Sabbath? How about abstaining from all type of work, not just 
some of the work, not just some of the rules, but not everything. How is it that you cannot go and buy, and you can hear my passion about it. How is it that you, you cannot go out and buy yourself food or, uh, you know, buy yourself uh, not just food, but uh, even get a prescription filled? How is it, how is it not okay to do that? When it concerns something else, immediately they show up. Immediately, oh, you know, this is more important. This is what this, the Pharisee did. They made their own rules. They put a burden on others that they themselves could not fill, that they themselves could not carry. They would tell others to do, but do the opposite of what they're doing. And yes, I'm passionate about Sabbath because I used to observe Sabbath as well and put these burdens on myself, which I was not able to keep up with. And I felt overburdened by it. I felt guilty and shame when I broke those rules. And in the end, I felt no freedom. In the end, it was about bondage. Sabbath was a bondage to me. It wasn't freedom. And so when I understood the real purpose of Sabbath, and that's resting in Christ for your salvation and not depending upon your works, I was free. And you today can also be free. Realize that you cannot do anything to save yourself. You cannot do anything in your own power to receive God's salvation. God's salvation is free. God's salvation is a gift. And there's nothing that we can do to attain it. And so now that I have shared my thoughts on it, um, be sure to join my private group, private community, Sword Study Delight on Facebook, and uh, we can discuss this further. Then Jesus said to them, "Is it law? What is lawful? Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill?" They remained silent, because he spoke right to their hearts. That's not what they wanted to hear. He looked around them in anger. In when when I when I read this, I think of the righteous anger. Sometimes you're just angry about the causes that, that have nothing to do with Christianity, nothing. Like people will watch you, uh, you know, what you're going to eat. People will watch you, what you're going to do and things like that. Um, but then turn around and do the opposite. Um, and so a, a righteous anger arises within you, you know, for those type of cause. And I can see Jesus just looking at them with a righteous anger, like y'all made this about not just Sabbath, y'all made this uh, an idol for yourselves. This is not even about Sabbath. It's about it's about your self fulfillment. It's about idolizing this day, and you can and you can see this in the community of those that do um, observe Sabbath. And so he looked at them in anger and said, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the men, stretch out your hand. 
he continued on with his father's business. He didn't care what they thought. He didn't care if they were watching him. He just went on to do what the father instructed him to do. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. And verse 6 says, Then the Pharisee went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This offended them. They walked away offended. And so they began to plot, scheme. Um, they began to set up a plan against Jesus. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. Everywhere Jesus went, we find Jesus with a whole bunch of crowd, right? When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, and I might mispronounce this name, Admaia or Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. Like he had to, he had to literally get a boat so that they, they don't get in the boat with him, right? He had to kind of go a little further because they were all just all over him. You could just imagine that. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. I mean, you can just see this, this uh, image of Jesus healing and casting out demons and, and um, working, out, working miracles. And people were just needed that miracle. They wanted that healing. They wanted that deliverance. So they... They just pushed forward to get to him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. And we can, we, you know, we heard about the names, um, even in the book of Matthew. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. And um, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So these are the names of his disciples, the followers, his closest companions those he broke bread with, those he fellowship with, those he, he had talked with and prayed with. And, and um, this, was, this was just his tribe, in other words. This was his tribe. 
Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. They were mad. They were mad. You could see that they were mad. They were, they could not stand, you know, the crowd following Jesus. They could barely keep a crowd and um, hear Jesus, just uh, somebody new on the scene, you know, getting everybody and having everybody follow him. What's going on with this man, right? They were full of ego, full of pride, full of jealousy, full of envy. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. And I love parables. I love parables. Um, when I was a kid, I often um, read or was interested in parables. And so what are parables? We hear parables here, parables there. What are parables? Parables are spiritual analogies with a spiritual message. Those that have ears will hear it. Others will mock and ridicule. So those that understand the spiritual message or the, the spiritual analogy that's being portrayed, they will hear what the Spirit of God is saying. But those that do not have the spiritual ears or the eyes will mock and ridicule. They will just see this as another story. Why are you telling us this story, right? And he came and he spoke to them in parables, spiritual analogies. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. And this is a, a, a kingdom mystery right here. Those that have ears, hear it. Those that have eyes, see it. Truly, I tell you. People can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. And this right here speaks so deep to me because um, I have heard the very words um, in my spirit when I was put on trial uh, for my faith. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. That's some serious, serious, that's some serious charge. People can be forgiven their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. And this is what the Pharisees were doing. They were blaspheming the, the Holy Spirit. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus mother and brothers arrived standing outside they sent someone in to call him a crowd was sitting around him and they told him 
your mother and brothers are looking out for you, are outside looking for you. He goes on to say, who are my brothers and my mother? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my brother, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And right here, we could say, Jesus, are you kidding me? Did you not even respect your family? What's going on here? Why are you so focused on your mission and you're not even caring about those that who I'm close who are close to you? And he said, Who is my mother and brothers? Those that do the will of the Father. Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. That's his family. His family are those who are kingdom, those who are kingdom-minded. And so if you did not understand his mission, if you did not support his, um, his uh, ideas or he did not support his ministry, uh, then you were against him. And so um, I pray this whole chapter was a blessing to you. Surely it was a blessing to me. And every time that I read it, there's just new, and I'm not going to say new revelation. It's just a different perspective on the scripture, a fresh perspective, fresh wine, fresh anointing. And uh, it's, um, it's amazing how deep the well is, how deep uh, the well of scripture is. I encourage you to continue to read, to, to show yourself approved unto God and continue Continue to study, study the word, study for yourself. Don't just take out scripture here, there, but study the word for yourself. So when you are encountering difficulties, when you are encountering Pharisees, when you are encountering different situations and circumstances, you know exactly what to do when the evil day comes, that you would be able to answer according, according to how the Holy Spirit leads you according to the word of God. Again, thank you for joining. God bless you and take care. Mark 4. Before we step into the scripture, into the study, I wanted to just reiterate what parables were. In the previous chapter, we had established that parables are spiritual analogies with a spiritual message. Those that have ears, hear it. Others will mock and ridicule. And that is just uh, my insight on the parables. When we step into the book of Mark, we find ourselves with a parable. A parable of the sower. A very, very, matter of fact, a very popular parable that is often being used and uh, spoken about as well as discussed among Christians today. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And I will be reading from New International Version Bible. You are welcome to follow along with me with a Bible version of your choice. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out 
on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, so here comes the parable. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Hmm. Have we noticed this before? To those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that they may be ever seen but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might churn and be forgiven. And that right there is a mystery in itself. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things came in and choked the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. And so this parable is for those that have ears and hear it, what the Spirit of God is saying, for those that have eyes and see it for themselves. This next section is called A Lamp on a Stand. And I have found myself to be that lamp that was hiding when I should have been putting my light out there 
This was my earlier days. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Again, he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And so you can, you can hear Jesus speaking of one thing and then speaking of another because he was speaking in parables. He was speaking these spiritual analogies. And those that have ears heard it. And, and, and those that just saw the, the carnality of things, they just mocked and ridiculed. What's going on here? What is Jesus talking about? And so Jesus is talking about the lamp. The lamp, um, its function is to light up the house, right? When we, when we put a lamp in our living room, its, uh, its purpose is to light up the living room. It's, its purpose not to be off, right? When we need the light to read or we need the, the light uh, to be put on in the living room, uh, we want its function to work. And he says... Do you bring a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? That's not its function. You don't put it under a bed or a bowl, under a bowl. Instead, you put it on its stand for everyone to see. That's the purpose. The purpose is for the lamp to shine. It's not to be hidden. It's not to be concealed. And so... If you, you are the lamp of God, you, you and I are the lamps of God, and we are to shine that light. We are not to hide our light, but let everybody know who we are. Let everybody know the truth, and let everybody know that uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He also said, this is another parable, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or get up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first a stalk, then a head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And I think when I was reading the scripture in my earlier days, I think I missed this scripture. I think I, I didn't really pick it up at, at a time. But it speaks so loudly. You don't see how the seed grows, but it grows. When you put the seed into the ground, you don't see its process. You don't see what is happening underneath the ground you don't see you only know that it produces fruit right you only see the final results you begin to see the head and then 
before you know it, you see the whole thing. You see the whole plant or whatever it is that you have planted. As soon as the grain is ripe, right? As soon as that plant is ripe, it begins to, it begins to produce its fruit begins to produce its fruit. Every word that we speak is a seed. Whether it's negative or positive, every word is a seed. We don't see we don't see the full function of it until it begins to spring out in the ground. We begin to see its negative effect or its positive effect. And before we know it, that seed will grow into a plant and soon after it will begin to produce its fruit. If it was a negative seed that was planted, then you're getting the rotten fruits. You're getting the fruits that are negative, the fruits that are, that are going to bring you destruction, the fruits that that are going to be bad for you. If you are planting good seeds in the ground, then you're going to reap good results. You're going to reap the good fruit. And so this is just a insight from my own personal life that I wanted to share with you. Again, he said, and I'm not adding anything to the scripture, it's just my insight on the word of God. Again, he said, and that's the next parable, the parable of the mustard seed. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we describe? Shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed. And we often heard of mustard seeds, right? It's a very small seed which is the smallest, even the Bible says, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. It's the smallest seed. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such branches that the birds can perch on its shade. And this is also a parallel of the, uh, of the parable in in Matthew 13, 31. This seed is the smallest seed, this mustard seed, right? But when it is planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. Such big branches that the birds can perch on its shade. It becomes a big tree. With so many, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he, dis he explained everything. Those parables were only meant for the eyes that could see spiritually and for the ears that could hear spiritually. And only those that were close to Jesus, his disciples, his followers, 
that they were able to understand its function, they were able to understand its revelation. Draw yourself closer to Jesus so that Jesus may reveal and interpret these parables to you. Each parable on its own is filled with wisdom, is filled to the abundance of wisdom. And we ought to seek God and seek the relationship to be his close companion so that we in turn can receive these revelations in private. Side note. And the next section is one of my favorites. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind him, behind them, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious quail came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. When you read about this, you see this as some type of movie, right? You see this as some type of scene from a movie. Jesus is sleeping. The storm is all around him. And so... Disciples come waking him up. Jesus, don't you see? Don't you see? Don't you care if we drown? Jesus didn't worry about the storm. He slept quietly because he knew that the storm wasn't going to do anything. But once fear comes in, once doubt comes in, then the the waves rise up even higher. And so he confronts the disciples. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And I feel like Jesus is speaking to us. Why are we so afraid? Do we still not have faith that God is going to do what he said he would do? That even as the waves rise up, Do we still not have faith that God is going to do what he said he would do? Let us trust and believe that God is going to do what he said he would do. Because he is in the boat. And he's taking care of all the details. And he's resting. And he's not worried because he has everything under control. So let us also not be afraid. 
let us also not be terrified, but trust Jesus, who is in the boat with us. I pray this encouraged you. It surely has encouraged me. Thank you for joining my table. God bless you and take care.